the Eleven Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. Two games in the can. Youngstown State defeated uh, by a, a score of thirty-five to seven. A, a mighty performance from those uh, Buckeyes in scarlet and gray. Those Penguins didn't stand. That's right. Had no idea what was coming to them. Um, you know, a lot of people might look at this game uh, with with some measure of disappointment, wanting Ohio State to win by 50 points or 60 points. And as a staff, you know, when we, we were putting together our staff predictions, I think that was basically the norm. However, I'm going to toot my own horn and say that I was off by only three points uh, in this in this prediction game that we had going. I, I said that Ohio State was going to win this game 38-7. to I said it on the Dubcast last week. They won 35-7. to I was, I was hoping you were going to be feeling yourself. And I'm actually – I thank you. And, and I will also say that I am kind of PO'd that they went for it on fourth down towards the end of the game instead of kicking the field goal because then I would have just nailed it perfectly. As it is, I'm pretty uh, satisfied with myself. And, and not that I want Ohio State to, you know, not win by 50 points. Well, before you move yeah. on real quick, did you see, did you notice who on staff came in, in second? Uh, in I believe that that was a, a Dubcast duo uh, kind of going there. I think we, we kicked a little oh. ass on that. So congrats to you as well, sir. Well, thank you. And I think before we move on, we should uh, do a quick review of how the beat team did with their predictions relative to the the real ball knowers That's on right. the Dubcast. Right. So, shall we take a quick? Uh, you know, I it believe. didn't it didn't go as well uh, for our compatriots. Um, you know, it, it, there's a reason why the Dubcast, our frontline brethren, Dan there's a reason Hope. why the Dubcast appears first in the week. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, no i mean look okay so dan you know dan predicted 59 to nothing more like fake pod wednesdays am i right what are they doing (laughs) fake buckeye pod wednesdays um actually no i guess i would be the fake buckeye because i didn't call it correctly but but (laughs) look i was off by three you're only off by 10 smoked everybody else on the staff it wasn't even really close i i want to explain a little bit about why i thought the game would play out the way that it actually did wait hold on you gotta say it dan said they'd win 59 yes correct which okay chase said they'd win 66 that's funnier and andy said they'd win 45 nothing they all predicted shutouts and and what did who so who really knows what's going on at Eleven Warriors? Is it the 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 front line beat people out at practice every day, or is it the, <laughs> the morons uh, the, with, who are yelling and screaming into the ether? The intellectuals sitting in judgment That's with right. microphones from the safety of their That's computer right. screens, acing their scoring predictions <laughs> week after week. Yes, that's correct. It is it is us who are the true experts. Um. I will say this. Here's the deal. We, I can't speak for you, actually. I'll speak for myself. I thought the game played out the way it would uh, and the way it ended up happening was because I looked at last week and said, you're not fixing that in a week. You're not fixing every single problem, you know, offensive line communication, you know, the running game not really being as, you know, up to speed as you would like, all that stuff. That doesn't get that switch doesn't get flipped in a week. And I don't care who you're playing, even if it's Youngstown state, right? Like even if you're playing uh, Youngstown state, even if you're playing, you know, an, uh, an FCS team, 
you're not just going to automatically blow them out if you have systemic problems that you have to kind of address, right? Like, and these aren't problems that can't be fixed. These aren't problems that aren't, I think, in the process of being fixed, as we saw on Saturday. There are definitely some positive signs. But my point with all of this is that it's a process. It takes multiple weeks. So I want to start with Kyle McCord. And, you know, obviously that's going to where, you know, be where most of the attention is going to be at the, you know, the, the quarterback position. Um, I thought he played really well, like honestly. And the thing is, I feel like at, in the aftermath of this game, because Ohio State only won 35 to 7, people see that and go, well, they should have won by more, or they should have won by more points. Um, and because of that, a lot of the blame falls on the quarterback. Look, Kyle McCord completed seven, 70% of his passes. He threw for three touchdowns and 258 yards. By almost any estimation, that's an incredible day of football. And that's with splitting, you know, series with Devin Brown and going back and forth and not being able to be in a rhythm. Um, I thought he played really well. Marvin Harrison Jr. had 160 yards receiving, like, in the first half, basically. Like, it's not – to me, this is not something to be super down about um, when you're talking about now what I think is pretty obviously the presumptive starter. So I thought he had a good day. I was I was pretty impressed by what he saw, and I, I like that you're getting your number one dude more in the game. Emeka is more in the game. Um, I think that bodes well for the rest of the season. I, I was very encouraged by what I saw in the passing game, and specifically Kyle McCord. The, this was like a diet bye week for me. I like it. This is an exhibition game. When I went and looked up the history of this game in 2007, 2008 from earlier, um, like just for evaluating the betting lines, I noticed in the 2008 game, uh, which Ohio State won 43 to nothing, Trestle played very uncharacteristic of Trestle, you know, beyond the the Smith-Swick situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, he played three quarterbacks that game, including Terrell okay. Uh And he, there were four different ball carriers, or no, I'm sorry. I think it was six different ball carriers got four different touches. So they were. It, it and was, for Trestle, that's like insane. Like that was the, yeah, that was right. a complete anomaly for, for his style. So the whole thing was, we're just trying to get, as as many people game experience as right. we can in a very controlled environment. Right. And that was what Day was trying to do in this case as well with uh, his quarterback situation, which I I would have liked to have seen Devin Brown not play until the second half uh, and seen McCord right. get to operate in a bit more of a rhythm. I'm hopeful that's what's going to happen against Western Kentucky, but – I I wasn't particularly thrilled with how Day managed the rhythm just because you're already not really getting much out of this game anyway. You might as well allow McCord to get as comfortable as he possibly could be as opposed to juggling uh, McCord and Brown between series in a way where neither one of them is really able to establish uh, momentum in a game in a way that clearly defines one as the superior right. option. I mean, McCord was throwing better balls to Marvin Harrison Jr. and he was getting in the end zone. So it's we come out of this saying it's pretty obvious that he should be the the starter. But I do see the conundrum that Day kind of has in that it does seem like 
Travion Henderson, in theory and and a bit in practice, just in terms of zone reads, has a bit more room to operate when uh, Brown is out there in that um, providing the rushing threat that McCord just doesn't really have as much of a reputation for. You know what? So I, 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 no, well, and I, I do agree with that. I, I think that's the, um, maybe the understanding between these two quarterbacks, right? Like one guy's more of the runner, one guy's more of the passer. I gotta be honest though, man, I, nothing against Devin Brown as like a human being or an athlete or anything like that. I just don't think I saw or have seen, um, a next level athlete when it comes to making plays with his feet. I, I, I think he can do that, but I don't know that he's so much better than Kyle McCord is that that's a guy that you're going to be able to game plan around. Um, he kind of reminds me of JT a Barrett. little bit. Yeah. He got the running, running away from the lawnmower right. speed. You know, it's not super <laughs> right. aesthetic, but it's like ju- just enough to get you like four or five yards. Consistently. The, what I'll say though, and I agree with that. I think that's an, I think you're dead on about that. The problem is with Devin Brown at this point and his development is that he doesn't take care of the football. And like when he's running around, his arms are flailing around. He's not, you know, tucking and making the yards that he needs to get. He's just trying to like blindly make things happen. JT Barrett, for whatever, maybe his like, you know, lack of skill or lack of talent when it came to like actual like arm strength, was incredibly intelligent runner. Like the dude was really, really smart about picking up uh, yardage and and picking his places just to get positive yards whenever he needed to. Yeah, he'd fall. That's right. He time. he was great at that, and he was just you know in general just a really smart quarterback, and I think that's what you know contributed to his longevity. But Devin Brown just isn't at that point. He doesn't have that kind of understanding of the game yet, and you know, running around like I said, not securing the ball, that kind of stuff. I think this conversation, I think the debate it's pretty much over and you know, Tuesday at 12, you know, when, when uh, Ryan day has his press conference, I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to solidify Kyle McCord as the, the permanent starter going forward. I, and I agree with you. And that's what we were saying going into the preseason that we assumed it was going to be McCord yeah. anyway. I think one thing that maybe could offer some optimism to Ohio state fans is to consider uh, what happened with Michigan last year, where you had a battle between McCarthy in McNamara and it was perfectly obvious to many of the fans that McCarthy should was the more talented one and should be mm-hmm. starting but you saw Harbaugh consistently platooning them against their lower level competition in a way that left a lot of them frustrated and we were spectating that and wondering even amongst ourselves why is he deliberately sandbagging them like right. this? Now, they didn't have, I don't think, the early season test on their schedule last year that Ohio State does relative to Notre mm-hmm. Dame. But I, I, you saw how even though Harbaugh was you know, kind of being a, a standing his ground in terms of, I really want to make sure that before we go with the, the younger, presumably more talented guy, that the guy that didn't really do wrong by us last year is right right to move that guy into the reserve role. And it ended up being the case. So if you, you know, even though it's taking more time than I think fans would like you, you can see how this even very recently in college football of an early season platooning for making sure that you're making the right decision with your leader in the offense 
can be managed correctly before it ends up becoming an issue that would sabotage the later stages and, of the season. But we do have to see it this week because Notre Dame. Right. And, and the thing with that is, is like, I do understand that. Like you got to make sure you're making the right decision, see as many reps in a live game situation as you can. But once you make that decision, you've got to be done, right? Like the, you cannot Absolutely. say like, Oh, well we'll reopen this competition. And even if, even if Kyle McCord has a game where he struggles, you can't say like, oh, well, we gotta we gotta flip the switch and go back to Devin Brown. You cannot do that. You gotta, you gotta commit. commit. And right. so I, I'm with you on that. And using Michigan as the example, like when they committed, right? When they said JJ's our dude, he definitely had some up and down games. I mean, he had some games where he looked terrible, and he ended up costing him ultimately. I think the TCU game, but he's looked amazing uh, so far this year. So I think that faith that they've had and his, uh, ability and to stick with them has, has paid off ultimately for him. And obviously they beat Ohio state when the big 10 championship, um, ultimately I think where this goes is that, you know, next game, you know, Western Kentucky has got to be Kyle McCord's game. I don't, I don't think Devin Brown, unless somebody gets hurt or there's like some in stream garbage time, you know, reps, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter, that's got to be Kyle McCord all the way. So, and I think that'll happen. I, I, I really think that based on what we saw and, and how much rapport that he had with, you know, it can't be said often enough, but his high school teammate, right, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, that I think that's something that they're going to want to see continue. So that was cool. Also, route man Marv, hundred. I mean, after, you know, basically not being present at all in the first game, comes out and just annihilates everybody for a half of football and says, all right, I'm good. Like, we you know who I am. Yeah, but they're they're saying he should be in the NFL yeah. already, and it's like you know, okay, he did it to Youngstown. State. Yeah, but what 160 say, yards, 160 I, yards, and Emeka coming out and getting almost 100 himself too. That's that's pretty sick. I I saw all these content hype machines on Twitter that were tweeting things like Marvin Harrison Jr. is on pace for 400 <laughs> yards and eight touchdowns after one quarter against. Yeah, it's like he's not playing the whole right, game. We'll yeah. Play, yeah, we'll see if he plays the second right. half. Like, let's let's hit. Yeah, the let's relax. Really. But they're, we're we're going viral because Marvin Harrison is going to get 400 <laughs> receiving yards. We got you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was silly, but yeah, he was great. Ball sack sports, you know. <laughs> he looked great. He did have a drop uh, or two, actually. Some uh, some third down ones that look kind of crappy. So hopefully that'll be something he can dwell on a little bit. And maybe we we don't. Yeah, we just forget that. That's fine. Um, and also, by the way, you know, if again to Kyle McCord's credit, like it's not like he was out there just getting bailed out by his wide receivers. He did a lot of really positive things. Uh, particularly in rolling out and other things like that and, and throwing his guys open in a way that you saw with CJ Stroud occasionally. Um, I, I thought that was great. I like that development. I thought running game looked better. Um, Henderson, who I've been pretty down on and crapping on, I thought he came out and had a great game and played, you know, again, in limited, very limited carries. I mean, the guy didn't have like, you know, what, he, not even a half a dozen carries, but he um, I think was really aggressive in his running um, he had some good catches, just was able to kind of show his versatility in a way that a lot of these guys have been able to show. I mean, Chop, <laughs> I always forget. I always forget that Mayan Williams is like legitimately one of the better receivers on the team, right? You know, behind obviously guys like Emeka Buka and, and Marvin Harrison, but he's like really freaking good at, at catching the ball, um, which is a fun element to kind of add when he's, uh, you know, when he does those little wheel routes and things like that. That, that always cracks me up because it always works. Um, I, he didn't have an amazing, uh, game, but I, I do think that overall, despite the fact that the, you know, 
the Russian game only had uh, about 125 yards ish. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was much improved from last uh, game. Now, with that said, you would hope so because it's freaking Youngstown State, but um, right. I still think overall they looked much more aggressive. The offensive line looked more cohesive, and uh, hopefully that continues against Western Kentucky because they're going to need that element. They can't just you know they can't just allow teams to sit back and drop all their DBs and say fine you know you can't get pushed with your offensive line so we're not worried about you getting four or five yards on first down. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it looked better. It looked better. And I think there'll have to be even more, you know, improved when they get to Notre Dame. But again, this is the step in the process that you want to see. Yeah. You would expect it to look better and it did. So I'm, I'm more curious about, is this going to look better than last week, but worse than it did against Indiana? Right. Or is it going to look better than it has well and we'll talk about very encouraging going and and we'll talk about indiana a little bit we'll talk you know get into the big 10 and whatnot um maybe a bit better team than people thought so i mean they they just came out and housed indiana state now again indiana state right but um i don't know i it may be a little bit um less of you know incompetence and more like people kind of you know just being a little bit nervous Nellies at the beginning of the season uh, when it comes to their overall ability. They'll, they'll get, I think they'll get it together. Real quick, I do want to talk about defense. Um, my only complaint to this point, because I think the linebackers have been extremely active and, and done really well. DBs look great. Um, not only, I think, has Burke come back, but now you've got this transfer. I don't know, Ole Miss, Minasan has done really well, uh, super active. You get, obviously, um, uh, you know, you get a, an interception in the first time. Since, well, when What was that stat? When was the last time that um, an Ohio State cornerback had interception? What was Cameron Brown against Penn State in October of 2020? That's wild. That's, like, super wild that it's been that long. So that was really welcome to see that. I, I thought that was fantastic. Um, you know, the thing is, is, like, the only concern that I have – uh, right now, because it looks like Burke is back, and uh, like I said, Abino Sun is you know performing as expected. Is it just feels a little bit like their loss on the defensive line, particularly with just how they utilize these guys? Uh, I still don't know what Jack Sawyer's doing. <laughs> I don't know what his role actually is. Um, you know, my call. Yeah, he seems like kind of a tweener, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and it, I don't know how that fits into Knowles' scheme right now. And, and, you know, people talk about, like, the lack of uh, pressure on the quarterback, and that is something that I think that they'll have to improve, in, in especially in the next two weeks. Um, but more specifically, it, it just it feels like they're not really impacting the play on a, you know, on a play-to-play basis, if that makes sense. Even, like, in rushing, you know, Whatever, and maybe that's by design. Maybe they're just funneling to the to the linebackers, but it just does not seem like they're making the kind of impact that they should be at this point. I sound like a broken record, but I, I just—it's so hard to gain anything concrete out of two games where one of them is an FCS opponent that you host right. at home that is traditionally treated as an exhibition. You're rotating guys, yeah. If you're just going off of scoring defense, they got worse from the <laughs> That's game. true. Yeah, that's right. Like what, what? Like what do you say about that? They, they, that that was the first time that they were tied beyond zero zero against Youngstown State in the entire time that they've played right. them. They've always been ahead, 
even when it was a little bit close for or closer for comfort for longer than it should have been. I think the first time they played them, it was only like 21 to six at the half, but this game was hardly better for right. most of it. Uh, so I, I, I just, I don't have that much I can gather at this point. Um, I, I think you'll learn a lot about this I, team I against Western con- Kentucky. I, I think that when they get in the Hilltoppers in and they have to deal with that uh, passing offense, I think you'll learn a lot about I almost kind of hope it's going to be the stress test right. that we've been fearing that it might be because they kind of need that jolt. You know, right. it's it does feel like that there's a little bit of a sleepwalking element, not not throughout the team, but just at different you know levels, I guess, at various moments we've seen throughout these first two games it it it, it, you just see mistakes that you you can chalk up to being early in the season but there's been patterns of stuff that we saw from the last season uh that cost this team that we haven't necessarily seen improvement on um not necessarily as much for the defense um and in fact actually one of the things going into this year that I was hopeful for was that we would kind of see a a resurgence for Denzel Burke. And he certainly had that through, I think the first two games relative to the regression he had last year when I think a lot of people were expecting him to improve. And we saw that throughout the other areas or with the other players in uh, the first year under Knowles, but Burke was kind of a letdown in that regard. He's, I think, stepped his game up. Um, so that's something good for the defense relative to last season, but there's a lot of things throughout this team. Um, I, I know the the big one I've been harping on is short yardage conversion for the run. Well, in third down, third down defense in general, I think was really tough for them right. against. I mean, pretty much everybody. I mean, you, you should not be allowing Youngstown State to convert half of their third downs. You know what I mean? Like that's insane. <laughs> like granted, no. throughout the rest of the game, after that first you know touchdown drive that they had, you shut them out. That's great. But you have to get off the field. And here's the other thing: when we talk about the clock rules and the other things like that, and, and you know, offenses trying to adjust to that, every possession that you can wring out of a football game right now is precious. You have to get off the field. Yep. And so, you know, part of the reason why Ohio State only won 35-7 to 7 was because Kyle McCord wasn't in there all the time. Uh, obviously, they were kind of you know, sandbagging it in the last half uh, or the second half. But also, you only had like nine possessions the entire game. You have to get off the field. You have to get off the field. You have to be, you know, maximizing the amount of possessions that you're going to have. And um, that, to me that's where the defensive line really comes in because that's on those third and mediums and thirds and longs, you have to be aggressive. You have to be really, really aggressive as a defensive line to make an impact on plays to turn, you know, what are usually high percentage passing plays into lower percentage passing plays because you're pressuring the quarterback. And if you can't do that, you don't get off the field. You limit the amount of possessions that you have. And that's, that's an area of concern that I think that they need to work on. Now there's a lot of areas of, Concern. There's a lot of various improvement that they can make, but for me, that's I think the number one when it comes to the defense. I, I think they'll come together. I think they are making progression. I think they are making strides, but it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, and like you said, man, like you, you'll have a test, you know, against WKU. So I'm excited to see how that plays out and um, how the team kind of you know moves on from here because 
we've kind of written off that they're going to be like this elite top five defense in college football, and we just have not seen the pass rush yeah. for that yet. They can get there. That they can get there, but you're right. They need to have that element, right. and if they don't, then it's it's going to be difficult. Uh, real quick before we move on to ask us anything, uh, the polls you know, came out, AP poll. They've got Ohio State now at six. They dropped another spot. I think that's adequate. I think it's kind of crazy that they bumped Texas up as high as they did. Um, I'm not super upset about, uh, you know, a team like Penn State and Ohio State kind of being paired up at this point, especially with how ridiculous Penn State's looked in the first couple games. Are you are you cool with six right now in the AP poll? Yeah, I mean, I was just dreading that they were going to put Bama at five <laughs> yeah. and move Texas to four <laughs> and Ohio State would be yeah. six. And I was correct about two of those right. things. Um, you know, it's a – it's an excellent win for Texas. Texas is back, back know, baby for the for the fifth for the fifth time as in as many years. Texas right. is back for the uh, first time <laughs> for the last time. Um, yeah, we'll see how long it lasts. No, I'm I'm happy because Bama's almost out of the top ten. So whatever you know, the enemy's my the enemy of my enemy is. My we'll friend. we'll get into that. I I would love to believe that you know Nick Saban is finally having it down here or something. I just I don't believe it. Um, but anyway, he's finally being nice to the media That's... down there, which is the first sign that he's on his way out because he knows who's going to be writing his biography. <laughs> That's true. Um, That's that. I, I hate that. That's probably exactly what's happening. I'm excited for what's going to be coming up. I'm not for even though I was correct about the score of the game. I am not freaking out about um, the fact that, you know, that's what it was. And. You know, as I said, we'll get into this a little bit. There are other Big Ten teams that, you know, had similar results and people aren't freaking out about them. So, regardless. Uh, Michigan had the exact And we will definitely address that as well because that that is a very interesting situation, I think, that's starting to brew in Ann Arbor. I'm not, I'm not ready to go all in on my uh, hot takes quite yet, but we'll talk about that. Before we do and before we get to ask us anything, we want to first uh, hear a word from our sponsor, One Medical. The best defense is a good offense, and that goes for your health, too. That's why One Medical, the modern doctor's office, is changing the playbook for primary care. With four C-bus locations and 24-7 virtual care, One Medical helps Buckeye stay healthy. And the relationship with OSU's Wexner Medical Center makes it easy to get access to specialists. To get your 30-day free trial, visit onemedical.com and use the code TRY1MCOL. That's T-R-Y, the number one, M-C-O-L. All right, that was One Medical. Thank you so much for sponsoring the Dubcast. Let's get into Ask Us Anything. I want to remind you that you can send us questions to Dubcast uh, at 11warriors.com and ask us literally anything. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the season, so there's so many things that you can talk to us about. So we'll go ahead and get started uh, from Joshua F. Uh, this is about uh, how, how hyped do we get about certain songs? So are there any songs that, you know, during football season – you know, working out at the gym, driving your car. What's a song that gets you hyped immediately as you hear it? Like that gets you just, that just goes, I'm driving a hundred miles an hour now. Cause I just listened to the song. An early uh, formative bonding moment between uh, Dan Hope and myself during my time at 11 warriors was when we both realized we were very attuned to the, uh, the various Madden soundtracks <laughs> that have been released. Over okay. The years. And we're we're both very fond of the uh, the 
the Never Scared remix by Bone. I can just see we ain't never scared. What we never scared? Who we never scared? What you see? Dan, so you ever see Dan Rock oh in that pregame? That's that's his that song, rules. man. Because they play it at the, they play it at the horse. That's so funny. I would pay money. Attention. Dan's also Dan's also got some like bars too, right? Like he, I I have to see that guy like just throw down to some like hardcore music and so that's hilarious Listen, man that guy is phenomenally talented in ways we could only hope to scrape yeah. that that he is uh he is the oracle of ohio state football knowledge on the beat. does not translate into predictions except when, except when right. it comes to scoring doesn't translate into scoring predictions but otherwise <laughs> and he's gonna listen to this too because you know he like consumes every single piece of media that 11 warriors puts out because he's like also an editor and does all this stuff so i hope he enjoys us trashing on him for the entirety of the dubcast oh, good. good good he can come back on he, right. he, we, we we always like having you know him. where i live dan it's fine um i'm here uh, uh so for me i don't know that i think it's situational um there's this one song by Jay Roddy Walson in the business called Heavy Bells. And half of it is like him just screaming like, Heavy Bells! And um, I uh, I love that song. And that's been my go-to at the gym when I'm in the car. Yeah, that's that's the one I think gets me most time. The Heavy Bells by Jay Roddy Walson in the business. I'm, I, I actually... I'll, I will... Well, I saw them perform... Yeah, no, it's fine. I saw them perform it live. And it is like the most badass concert moment i've ever been a part of where everybody is just head banging to the song and they're like losing it on stage it was great it was freaking awesome i i I feel obligated before we move on to point out there's there's three other specific songs that are very special to me in the lore of uh ohio state football hype and it's and they revolve around two highlight videos oh yes is it is one of them wait 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 is one of them black betty is one of them the remake and it's not the original one yes one of no it's the the spider Spider bay black betty from need for what a terrible song yes what an awful song oh oh stop that song that that song is pure that song will make you go no, 200 no, no. miles it's an hour. awful song i don't speak from experience but it's an um, awful song but it's perfect for that video it is like oh, it's okay. such a hype right, song for right. that video glad you, glad you make that concession yes. but Ram the other jam. the other song in that video is uh party hard by oh, well. wk which is a <laughs> phenomenal song does it well. hang on a second don't don't they splice in that song? That's the United States. Because I know the exact no, it, video well, you're talking about. It comes in in the second half. It comes yeah, in yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Half. yeah. I know that exact video you're talking about. That's hilarious. And then there's another one that's just a rude sandstorm, which is like the OG 2006. <laughs> <laughs> which for a Ted Ginn video, though, it's so funny that he's up to sandstorm. It's great. So those those three songs, I think about Ted Gid just because of those videos that have been on YouTube for a decade. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, okay, next one's from our good friend Alvin, and I'm sorry I missed this one last time, uh, Alvin. Uh, he wanted to know, do we like the new clock rules? Uh, no, I don't like the new clock rules. No. Yeah, no, they're bad. They're bad. And I don't know. I love commercials, that's though. Right. <laughs> I don't like football, but I love watching commercials. That's why I sit in front of my TV for three and a half hours uh, every Saturday. Um, Here's the thing. I don't know. I I really want to see, 
sometime halfway through the season what the actual impact is on both team possessions and like game time and all that kind of stuff. Cause I don't know that we have quite enough data yet. What I will say though, is that I think it screws up the flow of the game in a way that is just not fun to watch. And not even in the sense that like, Oh, they're, they're showing way too many commercials because obviously they are, but they, they do that already. Um, my concern is, is that the game feels like it's, it's like everybody's just rushing to get, plays in in a way that is less strategic and less interesting to watch and it feels so like hectic but not in like a fun way it it just it really feels like coaches have not and and play callers have not adjusted to these rules yet and so what they're doing is they're like okay we've got a concept we're just just go just go and it's not it's not as interesting It, it feels more basic it feels less cohesive and part of that's probably because the beginning of the season and teams are still trying to figure stuff out but i just think that overall it's it's impacted this uh this in a, in a bad way you, you can't have these nfl clock rules um and uh, you know even beyond that really in, in college football because these guys are professionals and they need more time to really get ready for the for the season so i just that that's a good point that i actually hadn't considered myself that they're the the lower uh they haven't played as level long of skill should should permit more right. mistakes and therefore not penalize the timekeeping as much. I think that's an excellent point that hasn't really been uh, voiced as much in this conversation, even though we're, we're still as college football fans in the early stages of it, the losing the stopping of the clock on an incompletion is a fundamentally like, that that changes the way that you script yeah, plays. Exactly. I think for various exactly. situations, it that is a fun. I almost couldn't believe that they were going through with that when they announced it because it's such a. I think it's the most like consequential change to the rules in my lifetime, and I was worried that it was going to impact as quickly as it has in terms of possessions, time of possession and rhythm of play calling. And you're, you're just going, you're going to see more of what day is referring to in terms of what he was upset with after the Youngstown state game. Uh, I know chip Kelly was very animated after UCLA's opener. I think he straight up said, hope you guys sell as many (laughs) commercials as you want because of this. It's, I hope this is a one season thing, and we remember this as we we went too far with trying to appease the t- the TV people. But the problem is, if the numbers come back from this season, and the and the ad revenue is great or better than ever, then the people that are actually like lobbying for this decision making are not going to do right by no. the fans. They're going to do right by the people that are getting. So I. I hope that there's a little bit of a, a drop off in interest from this. And it, I think relative to the TV stuff that we've seen happen in terms of like the spectrum deal and whatnot, it's, it feels like people are getting impatient with how much appeasing of uh, TV networks has been going. No, on no, this I, season. So I think that's a great point. It'll be interesting to see how that right. unfolds as we get into Yeah, they, they sign they sign these huge contracts. They get all the and they're like, okay, well now we've got to like produce, you know, we've got to produce content. We've got to produce value for, you know, these networks and make sure that they sustain all this stuff and, you know, 
they sign on the dotted line and whatnot. And so I think that is part of it. And it's unfortunate because I'm, I'm totally with you, man. Like I think it screws up uh, game planning and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it just makes for a worse football. So I don't enjoy it. Um, last question. This is from Kevin. Uh, so that was a couple ineffectual wins against Indiana and Youngstown state. Uh, what worries you the most? I honestly, if, if I'm going to pick one specific thing, I, I do think it is um, not being able to stop drives in their tracks. Like you got to the third down defense, even if they're not getting the quarterback consistently, you have to be able to get off the field. And for all the reasons that we just talked about, that has to improve. So, you know, whether they accomplish that through maybe more blitzing or they just get more aggressive on the defensive line in general, they that has to be an impact point for Ohio State if they want to be successful against teams like Penn State and Michigan and, you know, so on. Because they, they cannot allow those teams or even Notre Dame to sustain drives. It's that that will lose them games if they can't do that, if they can't get off the field. And that that's hurt them in previous seasons, too. Yep, I'm, I agree with you. Knowles is still gambling too much. The reason Youngstown State got their touchdown was because on third down and medium, he blitzed the house yeah. again, as he does. Right. And that left someone available to hit in the shallow flat, got him, scampered in, touchdown. Right. Uh, Just get off it, the field, man. <laughs> you not, don't have nece- to, yeah. not necessary. Right. Cover the sticks, make them kick the field goal. It's seven to three. And put the burners right. on. Just throw it to Harrison again and, and go up two scores instead of allowing an embarrassing equalizer. Right. Like, just do the smart thing. I I don't and, – and, you know, again, I'm a guy with a microphone telling Jim Knowles to do the smart thing. But we, it just goes back to last season with him even admitting in the offseason I was gambling too much. The, the mentality with – we can give up five up a, a, a ceiling of five bombs per game and survive. That's conceding too much. He acknowledged that that needed to be adjusted, and yet we're still seeing in these scenarios when he actually gets into the game that they're still just leaning on these bad habits. It's I I, I haven't talked much about my my other uh, life in terms of like evaluating MMA on Mm -hmm. the show. But something that I look at a lot in, in doing that is like fight fighter IQ habits, because you can say in theory that someone is going to go out on the, uh, in the octagon or on the field and perform a certain way based on what the numbers are telling you. If you've actually watched them on tape and you know, the kind of mistakes to look for when they get into an actual live situation as opposed to rehearsal athletes human beings just kind of rely on what is comfortable and what they've done in their prior decision making in a in a moment where they're just kind of operating on instinct you see it a lot more in a in a fight situation but i draw the parallel here between sports because you see what Knowles said he wanted to do in the offseason relative to the struggles that Ohio State encountered in the late stages of last year. Now you're seeing in the early stages of this season that in the even though he's said that he wants to change, in the game situations where the change should have taken place, it hasn't transpired. Right. So I'm you know, seeing is believing and talk is kind of cheap, and Knowles deserves more 
he deserves a far bigger leash than that statement implies. But just relative to what the guy has said that they need to improve here, we really need to start seeing that if this team is going to be a serious contender. So I, I hope to see a, a more conservative Knowles with the talent they have out there going. Yeah, forward. and I, you know, and I think it part of it depends on the teams that they're playing, and I, it will be really interesting to see how they come out against uh, WKU and, and uh, Notre Dame, just because of how those teams are going to try to score points and you know and their style and all that. So that'll be interesting to watch, um, and also interesting to watch is the questions that you send for Ask Us Anything. So thank you so much for sending those in. Remember. Thank yeah, you. it's fantastic. Great questions every week. Dubcast at 11warriors.com. We're going to get into talking about the Big Ten and, and kind of the wider college football world at large here. But before we do, we have a second sponsor here. So this is Able Roof. Need a new roof, but you're not sure if you can afford it? No problem. Able Roof offers 0% financing for qualified buyers. Call 614-444-ROOF right now to get your new roof with 0% financing. Able Roof has been servicing homes in Columbus for over 40 years. Able Roof is home of the one-day installation, and Able Roof will remove your old roof and install your new one all in one day. On top of 0% financing, Able Roof offers a lifetime guarantee on every new roof that they install. This is a company you can trust. They make the process painless, and with one-day installation, you'll have a new roof before you know it. Don't put getting a new roof off any longer. Call Able Roof today. Call 614-444-ROOF. That's 614-444-ROOF. So thank you, Able Roof, for being a sponsor of the 11 Dubcast. That's also fantastic. We love to have you. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the Big Ten. Um, This is an interesting start to the year, I think, for the Big Ten as a whole, and you know, you kind of see it reflected a little bit in the AP poll and how things are moving around a little bit. Uh, Penn State, I think, is getting a little bit more love. They're starting to kind of maybe acknowledge that uh, some of these other teams might be pretty decent. Iowa appeared in the top 25, um, despite not, you know, really actually living up to their um, stated 25 point uh, per game goal, uh, but but looks better with McNamara, Cade McNamara back there as their quarterback. Um, some decent wins, I think, across the board, uh, you know, with the, the conference last, uh, you know, this past week. Um, what I am looking at as uh, the conference as a whole, right, is that I think Penn State is much uh, more of a threat to both Ohio State and Michigan than I think uh, people realized at the beginning of the season. And I also think maybe Michigan, they've got some issues uh, that they're going to have to deal with a little bit. I want to start with Penn State, though. They uh, looked really solid against West Virginia in their first game. Uh, They come out, they beat Delaware by like 57 points, something like that, Uh, 56 points. That's a lot of points. Um, You know, Drew Allaire looks really good. (laughs) Threw for like 85% passing. Um, Just looks... Doesn't Delaware have those fake Michigan? Well, I think that for some reason I thought they had them before Michigan did. I can't, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, But yes, they do. It looked like they were playing Michigan. And that's fine. (laughs) Um, But Penn State came out, they they ran for 315 yards, uh, as you should, I guess, against uh, Delaware. They only gave up 140. The the mud heads, (laughs) I believe, as they're referred to. Yeah, they, they looked. All these obscure birds at the FCS level, right? <laughs> yeah, like a penguin. Who's ever heard of that? What exactly. the hell is that? Um, 
I mean, there, you can only find them at the polls, you know, or not even one pole, not even both of them. That's a pretty obscure animal, you know. Like they they don't even have the guts to go to the South Pole, piece of or North Pole. That's right, they're not the North Pole. Um, anyway, point is, I think Penn State looks really good. I, I think they've been very impressive in a couple weeks of action. Uh, the team that I find very interesting, and obviously I write about them every week, Michigan comes out, they beat UNLV, uh, they coast. I mean, this is not a game that they were ever in any danger of losing. Uh, but they they win 35-7, to seven, and it's not that they won 35-7 to seven that I think is interesting. Because, again, they could have won, you know, 50-7 to seven if they had really just, you know, gone all out. They, they pretty much pulled uh, everybody at the beginning of the uh, fourth quarter and just kind of gave up. It's, it's that they're running game, which is really their identity, right? Like, that's that's who Michigan is. Their running game has not been super sharp. And Blake Corham had a fine game. I mean, he wasn't great, but he, he had an okay game. He had 15 carries for 80 yards, so that's like 5.3 a pop. He was fine. Uh, Donovan Edwards, though, has completely fallen off a map. At, at the beginning of the season, like in the offseason, he was talking about how he's going to, like, revolutionize the running back position. And he has been hot garbage. Uh, from the jump um i said it last week the revolution that's will right. not be televised so he continues his crappy play he, he he had six carries for nine yards against unlv which is kind of wild um and really right now michigan is being buoyed by the fact that uh jj mccarthy has been playing just completely out of his mind uh he completed i think the first 13 passes of the game <laughs> against unlv um, 278 yards, almost 90% completion rate, two touchdowns. I mean, he's just been lights out. Now, look, Michigan men have been very good at winning uh, September Heismans over the years. Um, so I think there's still a lot to be said about his season and about how it's going to evolve. But I don't know. The AP poll seems like it's in such flux right now. I don't think Texas should be four. I think that's a little silly. Um Obviously, I think they should be better in Bama. I think Bama is probably maybe appropriately ranked. But right now, there's just seems like there's a lot of mushiness going on right now. And, you know, Georgia's got the top spot, and they're going to have that locked down until they lose. Michigan doesn't feel like number two right now. I think Florida State probably looks a little better than them. But, again, it's it's that inertia, right? It's it's wanting to keep that those objects in motion. Um, I don't know. It feels I weird. I have to say, just – just because you brought up Bama again, and I just noticed this, it is so funny, so funny that they kept Bama ranked ahead of Tennessee. <laughs> oh, my God, that is so funny. I guess Tennessee, I didn't realize they only beat Austin P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's how you like, say hey, it. P. I don't, I, 17. Right. Yeah. But they still won. They're 2-0. Yeah, they, they beat Austin Piss by 17 <laughs> right. points. But, uh, they, but that – I, I hope it stays like that until Saturday <laughs> in October when they play each other. But if you're a Tennessee fan, like how, how mad that's really like funny. I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about that, but that is a hilarious because they dropped. It's almost like they dropped Tennessee two they spots two just so they could rank Alabama ahead of Tennessee. <laughs> that is the pettiest. That's really funny. I didn't even think about that. I love it. So yeah, Alabama. Let's talk about Alabama a little bit. Let's talk about that game because. That was also, I mean, I don't like seeing Texas have anything. Oh, God, I don't want to talk about Quid Ewers. Yeah. No, well, don't do this to and, me. And I don't think he's like, 
a lot of people were like, oh, man, if only Quinn was here. It's like, okay, well, you had CJ Stroud because of that, right? That's what I'm right. saying. You had, you had, like, one of the best pure passers in, you know, recent college football history. And this guy, Quinn, uh, Quinn yours again, great performance against Alabama. Nobody can take that away from him. He's definitely been up and down, though, in his uh, collegiate career. So you take the good with the bad, and I, I think uh, Ohio State came out, you know, on the on the good end of that. But – Nah, man, he could have stayed here and kept his mullet, and we all would. That's right. Everybody would have would have won three national championships. All right, last thing we got to touch on this: uh, Mel Tucker um, and and what's going on at Michigan State. Here's my only statement on this: I'm not going to get into the details of the he said, she said, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't have all the information. Um, I do know that this is a serious, you know, accusation against Mel Tucker, and then therefore should be taken seriously, right? Like a lot of people might want to this oh well you know we'll dismiss this out of hand blah 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 this interpersonal thing no this is a serious accusation it needs to be treated with that level of seriousness and and you know have this whole thing investigated what i'll say though is it feels like michigan state as an institution has been um very irresponsible i think with how this has played out and and given the length of time that this has been taking over so I, everybody like involved in, in that uh, institution right now looks super gross. And um, I don't know. I, I hope that this is something that isn't just brushed off as, you know, like, oh, like this is a, yeah, I, I think he's losing his job over this. But institutionally, I hope it's something that Michigan State takes seriously and doesn't just act like it's, you know, a coach behaving badly or something like that. Mel Tucker is one of the most fascinating examples of upwards failure that we've seen in foot in coaching football from the time that he was the defensive coordinator for the Chicago bears. It is bizarre that he has been able to ascend to the position of being one of the highest paid head coaches in the sport of college football in spite of the lack of success at both levels of it, it it is baffling to me as someone that was a Bears fan that watched many teams get sabotaged by the defenses he coordinated, as well as now seeing what happened with Michigan State, them getting one win over Michigan at home, and then – being so taken with, you know, the moment of, uh, I believe it was Kareem Walker was their running back, and then Mel Tucker, and uh, giving him that contract in the middle of the season, <laughs> yeah. and then I believe the very next, I believe he lost to Purdue the very yes, next he did. game. And the thing is, this is a guy with one like legitimate season as a head coach. He does not deserve. I, you know, he has not earned the kind of loyalty that I think maybe he he will try to engender at at, at that institution. I think that's ridiculous. And Michigan State could have sat on that pile of money for two years and thrown it at Deion Sanders, right. and instead they gave it to this Mel yeah. Tucker. Like, and now they're in this situation. And, and the thing, the most baffling thing of all, it. I was willing to give, if not the benefit of the doubt, a little bit of grace to Tucker just because Brett McMurphy reported that Tucker got fired. And then 
a, a, a slew of reports came out after that saying Tucker hadn't been fired. He was just suspended without pay. Um, well, they were still, I believe the investigation's been completed, but there's, I, I, I don't know if the NCAA is investigating. I'm not privy to what is, is ongoing in terms of the investigation. What I am familiar, more familiar with is Tucker outright refuted the allegations earlier today. Right. Uh, because he's nervous about um, not being able to get his perspective out as this is going to drag on and while he's been separated from the team. And he put the statement out through his lawyer, and they go through all the details of, like, what led up to the relationship with this woman forming, like, the only time she actually came to campus for a speaking engagement, even though she was invited multiple times. And then they go into the details of the actual call and they, they go in this statement, the lawyer confirmed that Tucker could put this out there. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot of hubris, right? Like that's, and that's, and that's the crazy part about it. It just, the, the, the extreme hubris and the idea that like you can get away with something or just, I'll put my, my ideas or my opinion out there and that'll certainly override everything, you know, sans investigation and everything. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. And um, he's definitely, I don't know, he's, he's, he's in some extreme hot water now. And I don't think maybe he uh, appreciates how, how crazy that is right now. You would just think in light of the Larry Nasser stuff that they would have a more. Uh... They should be better equipped to handle something like this and to also understand and, and make their coaches and, and people in positions of power aware that they can't like even have the appearance of abusing that kind of power like this. Um do you think that if the Northwestern stuff didn't come out, that this would have been something that maybe ha- like would have come to light earlier in the off season? I don't know. That's a good question. Right and you know what? Like, it's the same thing with Northwestern too, though, man. Like it's, like I said, the hubris involved here to say like, you know, we're above consequences or we don't have to, you know, like what I'm doing is fine. Don't worry about it. That It's really bother. It, it bothers me a lot that that's where, um, it feels like some people uh, in the sport uh, are at where it's just like, yeah, well, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's not a big deal. Well, like you got to think outside of that. You got to think like a normal person would. And sometimes it just feels like they don't do that. So anyway, we'll see how that all plays out. Um, you know, it, it's definitely going to be an ongoing thing and I'm sure there'll be lots of back and forth. I don't really have a desire to uh, get super deep into it, but we'll definitely, you know, see how that impacts uh, both uh, Michigan State and um, uh, the Big Ten season as it goes on. Real quick, we've got the Hilltoppers coming in next week. Do you have any inkling about how you think that'll go, George? I'm scared. <laughs> Are you actually scared? It's the hardest. It is the hardest home game for Ohio State all year. I, I'm not afraid of James Franklin. I'm not afraid of any of these other Big Ten teams. But that that weird red grimace with the grip and sip, man. <laughs> he those hilltoppers, they're they're funky. And if this, I said it coming into the the off season or coming out of the off season, if this team doesn't have their surefire QB one yet, and they don't, even if. Even if Day names McCord the Oh, I think they do now. I would Western I think they definitely do now. Yeah, but it's not like he's had a full game as the No, no, no. But I, I think in terms of like the I mean. guy that they're gonna be giving the reps to, they know who that is. That's that's 
Yeah, but my point is if McCord hits turbulence in this game, then the script is kind of set up for what I was sure, worried yeah. it was going to be, which is, oh, Knowles is a bit too – gambles a bit too much against a team that knows and likes to throw it a lot, and they get points on the board early, and they put the game at a pace where McCord hasn't had to operate yet as a starter. How is Ohio State going to respond to that? I'll be curious to see it if it happens. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope McCord just lets it rip. Right. But I I am concerned. Well, and it's it's for all the reasons I, I thought coming out of. And the I also season. thought this is going to be a, a more difficult game than um, than a lot of people are going to be credit to be. I will say that if they come out like gangbusters, they they get up and and do what they need to do in the first quarter and the second quarter, they'll be fine. Um, I don't think Ohio State loses this game. I'm not sure that they cover because uh, right now I think it's around 27, 28 points. But um, if they come out and throw the ball around the way that they should be capable of, because you know Western Kentucky does not have a good defense, um, they'll be all right. But I do think that they're going to have to try to get you know make sure they get off the field on those third and longs and third and mediums and not allow Western Kentucky to stick around uh, for any amount of time. Um, if you you know put them down quick first and second quarter, I think that's smooth sailing. If you allow them to hang around through the third and fourth, people might get a little nervous. We said going into the Indiana game that Indiana had a trash defense well, relative to last season, and now we're trying to stick up for. Are we going to be doing the same thing for the Hilltoppers? Yes, the, rest the answer of the is season? yes. Well, actually, the. Answer is yes. the Western Kentucky. Right. No, the answer is yes. <laughs> I will do that. Situations. Um, but no, I, I think uh, I think Western Kentucky is kind of trash. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about that and then everything else going on in college sports, college football. Um, until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you next time. Take care, folks.